1: All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey,
2: Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Welcome to the show. As you know, we are celebrating in November Epilepsy Awareness Month. You notice I started by saying Happy Thanksgiving. So I wish all of you a wonderful Thanksgiving, but I, I have to start before I introduce this guest, Tony Quello. He changed my life 1996. Can you believe it? I still remember when I first met him, when he was the chair of the President's Committee on Employment of People with Disabilities, reporting and appointed by President Clinton, and I told him, Tony, I have a seizure disorder. I still remember it as if it was yesterday, looking at me saying, no, you don't, you have epilepsy. And from that day forward, I have epilepsy. He believed in me. He still believes in me. So, Tony, I want to start by telling you how thankful I am that you are in my life the author of the Americans with Disabilities Act, a former congressman that has met all of the last several presidents, um, past chair of the Epilepsy Foundation, of AAPD, the Rehab Act, going through. I could go on and on and on. Tony Cuello, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, Joyce. Uh, I appreciate those comments very much. As you know and some of your listeners know, uh, uh, you and I have become very close friends. Uh, I appreciate your respect for me, but it goes in reverse as well. My respect for you and what you do um, means a lot to me personally, but it means a lot to uh, the disability community, and I applaud what you do and your success at doing it. So um, I'm happy to be on your show and happy to uh, do whatever I can to help. As some of your well, listeners may know, I say all the time that when Joyce Bender asks you to do something, uh, you say where and when. You don't answer <laughs> yes or no. You just say where or when. So when Joyce asked me to be on this show today, it's quite an honor to be on, but I didn't ask uh, uh, yes or no, or answer yes or no, I said, uh, okay, what day, what time, and that's our relationship, it's one of great mutual respect.
2: Yes, it is, one of my very closest friends, and it is all about respect, which we all respect you, Tony, and you know now that this show, which is, by the way, sponsored by Highmark and Bear Corporation, has really taken off, I would like you to start by telling your story, uh, because it is so powerful for all of our listeners, including those that have not heard it before.
3: Thank you, Joyce. I'm happy to do that. Um, cut me off if I start elaborating too much. But uh, my story on epilepsy started um, uh, when I was 16 years old, uh, and I'm now 72. I've had seizures for all that time. I still, I had a seizure just two weeks ago. So uh, I've been living with epilepsy uh, and the consequences of it for all this period of time. I will start off by saying that I thank God for my epilepsy because it made me a better person, it made me, forced me to understand who I was and what I stood for, and as a result of that, uh, I've uh, had some troubles as I've gone through the last 50 years, Uh, but it uh, always brought me out on top because of my attitude about life and my attitude developed as a result of my seizures it started off when I was 16 and I was on my dad's uh, dairy farm and I was in a pickup uh, truck and going down a canal bank and we flipped over into the canal. Uh, Floated out, I'd hit my head, floated out successfully and I had a severe headache. Uh, But I had to milk cows that afternoon and, and, you know, that's the way life is on the farm. You have to keep going, particularly if you have cows. And so... The headache went away, and no other results. Uh, My dad was furious with us because we totaled the pickup, but other than that, no other consequences. And then a year later, I was in the barn milking, and when I woke up, um, I was on my bed. My brother had carried me into the house, and I was on the bed with the doctor sitting on me, and my parents were all there, my brother all anxious. And uh, I couldn't speak, and then after a bit I, I asked, what's going on? And they said, oh, we don't know, blah, blah, blah. And so that's the way it was. I went to several doctors after that. Uh, I even went to witch doctors, um, and not knowing why, except that the doctors couldn't provide an answer. So my parents, uh, being of Portuguese ancestry, <laughs> believed uh, that maybe witch doctors could be helpful. So I went, and after the third witch doctor, I finally said, I'm not doing this anymore, and I stopped, and my parents were upset, but that's the way I felt. Uh, And then I graduated from high school, still having seizures, went to college, uh, still having seizures, but I basically thought they were passing out spells and uh, couldn't get an answer to it. The doctors we had been to supposedly kept saying different things. Uh, But what I found out much later is the doctors were telling my family that I had epilepsy, and they refused to accept it because, as devout Catholics, uh, they believed that if you had epilepsy, you were possessed by the devil. And uh, that was part of the reason that my family didn't want to tell me, because under uh, the beliefs that they had that uh, God was punishing uh, the family or some major sin somebody had committed. The reason I tell you all this is because the stigma of epilepsy still exists today. Uh, That was 50 years ago, but the stigma is still there. We're making progress, but because of uh, institutional beliefs and cultural beliefs, uh, a lot of people (laughs) won't talk about their epilepsy. And so uh, it started way back many hundreds of years ago. So I go on to college, and have you know, I'm student by president, very successful in high school and college, and I decide I want to become a Catholic priest. And so I entered the seminary, uh, had a physical, and the doctor uh, said to me, Dr., Dr. John Doyle Sr., I still remember him, said to me, uh, after all these tests, said, uh, uh, Do you, have you ever heard about epilepsy, and I said, no, because I hadn't, and he said, well, I have good news and bad news. The good news is that you're 4F, and you don't need to serve in the military. This was in uh, the 60s, and so he said, "Uh, you're out of that. The bad news is that you have epilepsy, and as a result of that, um, you um, uh, cannot enter the... Jesuit, that's what I was studying to be a Jesuit priest, you cannot enter the Jesuit seminary or become a Catholic priest, because in 400 AD, canon law was established that said anybody with epilepsy um, uh, or possessed by the devil uh, can't be a priest. So that was established in 400 AD, and there was no way I was going to get that changed quickly, so... Um, I felt good, though, because the doctor gave me a uh, prescription and going to control my seizures, or at least control some of them, and uh, I would move on with my life. Well, little did I know that uh, I called my parents right away, told them that I knew what my problem was now, and I was grateful of that. I told them that epilepsy, they rejected it, and we did not have a good relationship for many, many years. Um, I then uh, lost my driver's license, and... Lost my insurance and then I tried to get a job going around um, and the word epilepsy was on all the job applications and I checked it because I wasn't about to lie and I never got a job. I couldn't get a job. Very soon I started drinking and became drunk every day and I'd go to Griffith Park in, in Los Angeles and I'd be drunk uh, by two or three in the afternoon and uh, I became suicidal. And the reason I did is because I thought that everything I'd ever loved in my life turned against me. And um, so one day I'm on this mountaintop. It was actually a little hill, but I felt it was a mountain. And I um, felt something, uh, and I heard music, and I turned around, and there was a merry-go-round on the bottom of the hill. I'd never seen it before. And little kids were getting off and on. They were laughing and, you know, doing all their fun. And uh, all of a sudden, I felt something, and I I said to myself, I'll never, ever let anybody ever stop me from doing what I want to do in my life again. I am going to believe that I can do X. And so I left that hill that day, and within a week, I had an opportunity to live with the Bob Hope family. Uh, Mr. Hope was absolutely fabulous to me. He, in effect, said, look, at if you'd been a priest, you might affect a few hundred or a few thousand people, but where you belong is in politics. And uh, he said, uh, a, a ministry is practiced in church, of course, but it's practiced in sports, it's practiced in business, it's uh, practiced um, in government, and it's practiced in politics. And that's where you belong, that's your personality, that's what you should do a letter, letter, wrote a letter to my congressman, got a job, and ended up uh, running for Congress. Um, my opponent at one point said, uh, Tony's a very sick man. This is to a, a dinner crowd. Tony's a very sick man. What would you think if he went to the White House and argued a critical issue for us, such as water, which is a critical issue in California, as we all know, uh, such as water, and had a seizure because he has epilepsy? Um People in the room were very upset. Some of, some of them called me that night and said what he had said. And um, uh, a reporter called me the next day and said, I understand your opponent last night said X, what's your reaction? And I'm not that clever, but something uh, gave me the wisdom to say. Um, I've known a lot of people in the 14 years that I've been a staffer for a congressman who've gone to the White House and had a uh, fit Uh, but at least I'd have an excuse. And that stopped all the uh, (laughs) negatives against me, um, and I won that race easily. But when I got elected to Congress, I decided that one of the things I wanted to do was to do stuff on epilepsy, but also on disabilities of all sorts, because those of us with disabilities, this was in 1978, uh, could be discriminated against illegally. You were in a movie theater and you were in a, wheelchair, you could be kicked out because you could be a fire hazard. You were in a restaurant, you wanted to order, they could kick you out because you were a nuisance to the waitress to describe for you what's on the menu, et cetera. So you could go on and on, and of course, jobs. Uh, An employer could say, I don't want to hire you because of your disability, rather openly. Um, And so I decided that I would do different things. And ultimately, I decided that amending this bill, that bill wasn't going to get us anywhere. It's our basic rights. So that's when uh, I worked on uh, coming up with the ADA and introducing it. And one of the greatest joys of my life to see that implemented, the curb cuts, everything else that we have throughout the country, and now it's the law of the land in 52 different countries. Um, And Bob Hope was right. Uh, In politics, uh, I could uh, have a bigger impact on thousands or millions of people. And I let him know that, uh, obviously, before he died, of just the impact that not only he had with me, but he's had with all those people who've been helped by the ADA being put into law. One quick story that Joyce likes me to tell is that when I became the majority whip, I got to make the trip. Uh, I wanted to go to Portugal because it would be a state visit as the first Portuguese American ever elected to Congress. Uh, the State Department wanted me to go to Morocco because the king was in negotiations with the Portuguese in regards to the Middle East. And then uh, I said I wanted to go to the Vatican to visit with the Pope. So I took my delegation, small delegation. We met with the Pope. Um, and uh, you give a, a speech, or you read a statement before uh, he, s- he says anything. And it was pre-approved by the Vatican. So it was a very boring, bland speech, I got through with it, and as I got through, I then took hold of the podium, which I had, which I believe strongly in, and I said, Your Holiness, um, I could not live with myself if I didn't take advantage uh, of this opportunity to tell you something personal. Well, his little minions around the room were all going, and my delegation was looking at me as if I were crazy, and I said, as a young man, I decided I wanted to become a Catholic priest. I have epilepsy, and I was rejected from the seminary uh, because canon Law in 400 A.D. said if you have epilepsy or possessed by the devil, uh, you can't be a priest. And so I was kicked out, and I suffered a lot because of it. And I, all I ask is that you look into it, because I think it's very unchristian of our church to have this. That's it. I sat down. He gave his very boring speech. Then as he left, um, escorted him to the door, he blessed my wife, and he turned to me and he said, young man, he did not bless me, by the way, he said, young man, I heard your comments, uh, and that's all he did. He turned around and left. So I thought I was going straight to hell, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't bless me, uh, but uh, what happened is that two years later, canon law was changed to permit uh, uh, men, of course, with epilepsy to become priests so it was a great opportunity to make a change um, and uh, I, I was very appreciative of Pope John Paul in and, and doing that I don't take credit for it specifically because I don't know what made it happen uh, but I do know what I did and as Joyce knows I have a, a picture of me uh, addressing the Pope and at the very moment the picture was taken I was directly looking at him so it had to be the moment that I was discussing my epilepsy. So that's sort of a rundown of, of all the things that uh, occurred. A lot of other things happened, but those are uh, the highlights.
2: Wow, how powerful. And the, the one story you tell, you know, about the Pope, right? Uh, that just, I'm sure, I'm sure you did shock everyone. But you know what, Tony, I believe it did have an impact. I really do. I believe that did, and that is why I always tell people, when you get a chance to take the podium, speak up. And who taught me that? Tony. Hey, right now we have a caller on the line. Mark, are you on the line?
1: I am on the line.
2: How are you doing, Mark? Mark Gariello, how are you?
1: I am doing really well. How are you, Joyce?
2: Good. Happy Thanksgiving.
1: Happy Thanksgiving. Um, happy Thanksgiving, Tony.
3: Same to you, Mark. It's great to have you on.
1: Thank you. Um, So um, every time I hear your story, Tony, I feel like there's something new that I learned, um, and uh, today was no exception. Um, And it's a powerful story, and thank you for sharing it because I think it um, really serves um, as a You serve, rather, as a role model for so many people with disabilities, and by telling your story, I think you give a lot of people permission to share their stories, um, and there's a lot of power that can come from that, Um, so thank you. Um, The thing that I wanted to talk about today um, is, Joyce and Tony, you are both actually co-chairs of the AAPD Gala for the 25th anniversary of the ADA next year. And I was wondering, Tony, if you might be willing to just talk a little bit about um, the event and um, some of the things you're hoping to see next year.
3: Thank you, Mark. Joyce and I are honored uh, to be asked to co-chair the gala. Um, and basically, it's to uh, we have this annual gala, but this one is to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the ADA, and we hope that it's going to be a huge success. So. With uh, Joyce's firepower and my persistence, so we should be able to uh, make it a, a success. So I would tell you, Mark, I just finished a dinner with uh, the new incoming CEO of UCB, uh, which is a uh, pharma company, and uh, they are going to participate for the first time. And oh, so that's amazing. I Thank thought you. you'd like to hear that. It's great Thank news you. for all of us. Um, and I think the issue with uh, the gala is to, uh, it's the the most successful gala for the disability community in Washington DC and I think it's an opportunity for all of us with disabilities regardless of our disability uh, to come together and celebrate a a common cause because whether you have epilepsy or cancer or heart disease or whatever it might be, uh, we all have uh, common interests, common concerns, uh, that that need to be addressed. And this gives us an ability to do so. Uh, ADA is very involved in, in different things of helping young people uh, in so many different ways, which is the one thing I uh, promote and push and appreciate that AAPD is so involved in making a difference in the lives of, of young people of, of all disabilities. So I'm really excited about Uh, what Joyce and I I can do to be helpful to AAPD, but more importantly in helping AAPD uh, help so many people in the disability community.
2: And I just want to echo that and say this will be the best gala And Tony is one of the people that will be recognized as he is the author of the ADA. But we have so many people coming to this, and as you know, I call this the Academy Awards of the disability community. May I suggest that if you're listening and you want to attend, that you buy a table or purchase a seat now because this is going to really be big. Mark, when is the the gala?
1: It is on March 11th.
2: March 11th. And it will be dynamic with the people that we are inviting, uh, all, you know, all the way to the White House. So, um, Mark, we are behind you 100%. And, by the way, Mark is the CEO
1: of AAPD.
3: And it has well, become a huge success for all of us. So we appreciate, Mark, what you do.
1: Well, thank you. I couldn't do it um, not even a fifth of it without all of your help. Um, So thank you.
2: But you are, and we're behind you, and I wish you a very happy Thanksgiving.
1: Thank you. You too. Have a great uh, rest of the show.
2: Okay. Thanks, Thanks. Mark. Bye. That is going to be a fabulous gala. Absolutely fabulous. I am so excited about it. Tony, you know one in 26 people live with epilepsy, do you think the people do not want to tell anyone because of shame, because of stigma, because of fear? What do you think?
3: Well, it definitely is because of the stigma. Uh, Some people are concerned that uh, they won't be able to get a job, um, uh, are concerned about having a seizure in, in front of others and so forth. Uh, parents are overly protective, in my view. A lot of parents at times are responsible for really handicapping their uh, kids uh, because they don't want them uh, to be hurt. I take the view very, very strongly, Joyce, as you know, is that how can uh, you succeed if you haven't been rejected in some way? And you you need to have the opportunity uh, to fail in order to have the opportunity to succeed, and so uh, it's one of the things that we really have to address, and, and by being open, and one of the reasons I pushed you to be open about your epilepsy uh, is for that reason. The more we, people that are willing to discuss their epilepsy, what they go through, um, the more we're going to get rid of this stigma. And the stigma is, uh, is involved in cultures, and involved in religions, not just the Catholic Church, but other religions and so many cultures uh, from all over the world. This is a huge problem in a lot of foreign countries and the way that they treat uh, uh, people with epilepsy. So uh, it is definitely the stigma, um, and the more we have uh, pharmaceutical companies and others developing the drugs, uh, the more we have doctors really understanding what epilepsy is, um, the better it would be to get over this uh, stigma. And Fifty years ago, when I first had my seizures, there was only three drugs that we in our community had. Uh, and now there are lots of them um, because people are willing to get involved, do the research, develop the drug, and because people are, are willing to use the drugs now because doctors understand it and are willing to prescribe. So... The more we do, the more open we are, um, the more people will be affected and impacted.
2: Yes, and and so much do I agree. Remember, everyone, don't be ashamed. Parents, don't tell your kids, don't tell anyone because you're just saying there's something wrong. Um, I think we have another caller on the line. Jenny, are you on the line? Yes, I sure am,
4: Joyce. Happy Hi, Joyce. Thanksgiving, Jenny.
3: Hi, Hi Jenny, how are you?
4: I'm well, thanks. How are you?
3: But good. Happy Thanksgiving by the way.
4: Happy Thanksgiving to you too. Uh Tony, in 2003, you told Sam and you told me to speak up about our epilepsy and to never be ashamed. And uh that has stuck with me. Um First in 2003, and then a few years later, when uh, you said it again to us, and at that point, uh, Sam was a little bit bigger and uh, really needed to hear it, and I needed to hear it because I was diagnosed with my own epilepsy, and uh, after years of misdiagnosis, and uh, that has just really resonated with me through uh, times of ostracism and misunderstanding and all kinds of things that we've been through and uh, needing education around so many different things, educating other people. and Let me, just,
3: let me uh, tell Joyce's listeners something. I know you won't mind be, being very honest yes. uh, in regards to this, but I think uh, your listeners need to know uh, what happened to Sam and why. Uh, and what one of our biggest problems uh, is in disabilities, uh, but in regards to uh, people with uh, epilepsy having seizures. Uh, Uh I met Sam. I was very impressed with him, as you know. Uh, He ended up on the uh, cover of Epilepsy Magazine. Uh, He and I on the cover. Uh, I uh, mentored Sam, tried to mentor him, Um, Try to convince him that uh, it was okay. Uh, But uh, Sam got bullied by people who don't understand, appreciate uh, what epilepsy is and so forth. And then I totally failed, and I say this many, many times uh, with Sam in that uh, he gave up. Uh, He uh, committed suicide uh, because he couldn't take it anymore and um, uh, that hit me real, real hard um, one, because he took his life two, because I couldn't convince him to believe um, and three, uh, because of the bullying that takes place um, it just um, really upsets me that uh, people will say the worst possible things to uh, people who have disabilities uh, and I uh, I really took uh, uh, Tom uh, Bob, uh, Sam's, I'm sorry, Sam's uh, uh, suicide so hard, so personal, and I still think about it um, to this day. As a matter of fact, at a lunch today, I was discussing it there as well. So, Jenny, I want you to know that um, I, for one, love what everything about you, love what you uh, did with Sam, and know that. Uh, You're in my prayers every day.
2: Thank you so much, Tony. And, And Jenny, before you go, I just want to tell everyone, here's a woman that turned around to give back and works all the time to try to encourage young people to not make the decision to take their life. She is a wonderful person. Jenny, thank you for calling in. And most important, have a very happy Thanksgiving.
4: You both as well, and you both have taught me so much, and uh, we're going to keep doing this. All right. Thank you,
2: Jenny. Hey, I can tell you're popular, Tony, because we have another caller on the line. Go ahead, caller. Hello, Tony. Yes. This
5: is Phil Gatone calling. Happy Epilepsy Awareness Month.
3: (laughs) Thank you, Phil. Thank you for calling in today.
5: Well, I just wanted to say hello and tell Joyce and her listeners what an outstanding uh, lifetime of leadership uh, you have uh, provided to our community uh, across the country and around the world, uh, not only with your leadership uh, with uh, authoring the ADA, uh, but also uh, with your example, just as Sam uh, Sam's life, you know, uh, was experiencing uh bullying and and uh, Jenny his mom has uh has been really uh an instrumental advocate moving forward uh you know you have taken just as you said the the hardships that we face and you have been able to um, drive forward the the need and the mission of people living with disabilities in a way that no other human being that I've known has ever been able to do and you've affected my life, you've affected my family's life, but you've affected our entire community. And I just wanted to say uh, thank you, and it's an it's an honor to work alongside of you in this mission. And Joyce, uh, your example of leadership is just at the highest level, and I know how you feel about Tony. You've said it on this show and you say it all the time, but it just cannot be overstated, Tony, the magnitude by which you have influenced our world and the world of people living with disabilities. It cannot be overstated. What you have done is uh, monumental, and it will be a legacy uh, for for generations to come to see the example that you've set. So thank you.
3: Thank you, Phil. Appreciate your, your comments very much. Uh, uh, Phil has become a very, very close friend. Uh, he is the uh, president and CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation. I played a small role in... And making sure that he got that uh, position, <laughs> because I knew that uh, he would be a huge success. And Phil, uh, you've exceeded uh, even my expectations, and I applaud you uh, for what you've been able to do uh, with the foundation in in the few years that you you've been there. By the way, I was well, at a lunch today with the incoming CEO of of uh, UCB, and. We were talking about the SUDEP Institute, uh, which you have helped put together, and uh, that is uh, going to have a worldwide impact. Uh, so uh, just want you to know I, I keep on preaching and building uh, what you have really been able to do with the help of others at the foundation and making a difference in the life of all of us with epilepsy.
5: Well, thanks, Tony. And Joyce, I just want to say one last thing, and that is that you know, when someone has led a lifetime of service to their fellow human beings, you know, and you think, well, Tony's pretty old, so he might be, <laughs> he might be, uh, kind of finishing up a lifetime of of commitment. Nothing could be farther from the truth. I mean, I've never seen you so energized, Tony. You have, you have so much more work to do, and our community is going to continue to count on you for years to come. And uh, we're just so thankful for you and and uh, just want to wish you well, wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you,
3: Phil. I told my partner uh, hey, that I hey, have Phil, another 15 that. years at least. Uh, yeah, and, that's and right, so, uh, Tony. I want to, uh, you know, my dad lived to 93, so you're going to have me around for a few more years. Right <laughs> on, we're
2: going for 100. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Phil, all right, thank him. you,
3: Phil. Thank I, you all.
2: I just want to say about Phil. He is, as Tony mentioned, the CEO of the National Epilepsy Foundation. He is absolutely, A wonderful person and a great leader and did so much in a very short time period. You know, he came up through the ranks, being the head of an affiliate in Chicago. Um, His son lives with epilepsy. He has the most wonderful family. His wife is the first lady. We know that, fortunately for you, she married you, Phil. But she is, and Phil is, a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, I'm so proud of him, and you know it's personal to me, so if anyone is living with epilepsy, don't forget this Thanksgiving to make a contribution. Um, And Phil, I wish you and Jill and your family a very happy Thanksgiving, and I am not going to ask you to sing, although I'm tempted to.
5: <laughs> well, God bless you if both. And, and Tony, thanks again for all you do.
3: Thank you, Phil.
5: Bye bye now.
2: Bye bye. Such a great person he is. You know, Tony, really I want to ask you I didn't a question.
1: Say that just because he was
3: on the line. But he's really yeah. done a lot for the foundation and, in turn, a lot for uh, those of us with epilepsy. So I really appreciate his commitment and devotion and the impact that he's had.
2: Right. Hey, Tony, something I know you love to talk about is Section 503 of the Rehabilitation Act, which you worked on for years and years, and now here it is, a reality. What do you think about that, Tony? What do you think that's going to do in America?
3: Well, Joyce, as you know, uh, something I worked on for at least 25 years, uh, the... Uh, Rehab Act said that uh, federal <coughs> contractors had to hire, and subcontractors, had to hire uh, people of color, women, and those of us with disabilities. Uh, there was a definition of uh, women, of course, and a definition of people of color, but there was not a definition of disability. So we had to come up with a definition that all the agencies would come up with. Then we had to do uh, a census. Uh, check of people with disabilities to find out how many disabled there were in the country and where they were located. And so we had to come up with the right question, the right uh, wording of everything, and that took uh, years to get that done. Um, And we finally got it all done, and then we had to have an executive order to implement uh, bringing those of us with disabilities under Section 503. Uh, President Obama uh, did that. Uh, and with the help primarily of Valerie Jarrett, who uh, really pushed hard, a great supporter of those of us with disabilities. And it's now the law of the land. And basically it says that uh, all federal contractors and subcontractors um, have to have a program of uh, hiring people with disabilities. And after a year, if they don't, uh, the government can uh, penalize them for not uh, following through. And so, I was told that in the first year that this goes into effect, that 464,000 people with disabilities will get employment. I don't know if that's factual or not, but that's a lot of people, and that's only the first year. And so, uh, I think that it's going to have a huge impact on the employment opportunities for people with disabilities. As you know, Joyce, uh, you are one of the leader leaders in this whole effort to get those of us with disabilities employed, and you've been very successful in doing that over the years. Without 503, uh, it's going to make your job a lot easier because people have to comply with the law. Uh, they couldn't discriminate before under ADA, and now with 503, they have to hire people with disabilities, and uh, they need to go someplace, and the best place to go is vendor consulting. Um, and What people don't appreciate is those of us with disabilities, we want the same rights that everybody else has. Nothing more, but nothing less. And with that goes the right to have a job. Now, when I say that, I don't want people to believe that I'm saying you got a job and you don't have to work or that you can't be fired or whatever. I am very firm in that you only should be hired if you can do the work. And secondly, you should be fired if you can't. Um, because all we want is to be treated like other people. But what has happened is we haven't been given an opportunity to fail. And if you gave us an opportunity to fail, I know that we would succeed. But if you don't give us an opportunity to fail, we can never get there, which means an ability to buy a home or to rent a home, uh, buy a car. Uh, It means to be able to uh, be married and have a family and have your independence, which is something that most Americans get, but those of us with disabilities didn't have that opportunity because we were dependent on everybody else. And so with 503, now we have an opportunity to uh, go out there and get people employed who have ability to get people employed so that they can have the dignity like everybody else does of being able to work And like I've told the last five presidents, Give us an opportunity to pay taxes like other people. We want to pay taxes because that shows that we have independence. That shows that we participate in the American system, which I love so much, and that all of us with disabilities love. And uh, that way we can pay back to society what society will do for us. So it is a great opportunity, Joyce, in my view. Uh, 503 is probably more important in, in long term, than ADA. ADA gave us the right uh, to sue to make sure that the law was on our side when we couldn't be discriminated against. But it didn't give us any right to a job. It just gave us the right to sue if somebody didn't if discriminated against us. But 503 is going to affect <clears throat> hundreds of thousands of people and what they can do for their families, what they can do for themselves. It's a huge, huge win for our community.
2: And I have to say, Tony, you are so right. Talk about a game changer. For years when I would go to companies, you know, you had to talk to so many people to try to move the agenda to employ people with disabilities. And this is the first time in my life So many companies, you know, are contacting us, and if they're contacting me, they're contacting, you know, others, which is so good, so great. It is a great day in America for people with disabilities, and, you know, I want everyone to know, guess who called and told me? Tony. When he told me, I was so shocked. Because this has been going on for years, and Tony has worked on it, as he said, for 24 years, and worked with Valerie Jarrett in the White House, and what a great thing that it finally happened! No, is I agree. It started great.
3: Bill Clinton uh, uh, initiated the process or permitted me to, to go after it, and and we did, um, and then. Uh, Since then, we kept on building up to this point. And so I appreciate uh, all the presidents that have helped us um, and really sincerely appreciate what uh, Valerie did to help us with President Obama.
2: Right. Yes, she is a champion. No question about that. Tony, I know you have worked on this whole marijuana uh, controversy for children and people living with very, very significant seizures. Uh, Would you talk about that for a few minutes?
3: I'm happy to, Joyce. Um, I believe in medical marijuana because I know for a fact that it's helped out uh, uh, individuals, and particularly young people. Uh, Kids who have uh, 50 seizures, 70 seizures a day, they have no quality of life. But listen, not only do they not have quality of life, but their families don't have quality of life. And so it affects everybody, uh, their, their immediate family and their extended family. And so getting kids uh, on to medical marijuana, and not it doesn't work for everybody. I understand that. But for those that it works for, if you can bring down the number of seizures that you have in the two cases that I've worked on, they brought brought it down from 50-plus seizures down to two or three a day. Two or three a day is a huge improvement. For a lot of us, if we have two or three a year, we feel bad about it. But kids, two or three a day. But you know what happens? They then have a quality of life. They can go to school. They can do things just like any other kid. And so... Uh, what people think though if it's medical marijuana that must mean it's also recreational marijuana and these people can get high (laughs) on it and cause all kinds of other problems and so forth. Medical marijuana is not recreational marijuana. It doesn't give you a high. And it basically is developed in a way that it really helps those of us with certain disabilities. Um, And so I'm a big proponent of it but understand I'm very tough and firm on how it's done, uh, how it's controlled, who is its minister to, get rid of these docs who don't even see patients and just give out a ticket and so forth. Uh, So if it's properly regulated, properly handled, it should be just like uh, any other prescription. It can be hugely beneficial uh, to a lot of individuals, not only those of us with epilepsy, but others as well. And so... I'm a big advocate of it. It's hard to get through the the barrier that legislators have because we're trying to implement this state by state because the federal government uh, is very negative on it. But we're going to get there. Uh, look at, uh, Joyce, it took 25 years to, to do 503. It's going to take uh, probably as long to maybe shorter to uh, get medical marijuana uh, in place so that people with disabilities, uh, can uh, benefit from it.
2: Well, Tony, with you, we're only going to give it three to four years.
3: (laughs) I hope
5: you're right.
2: But, you know, one thing you said, um, just like you, you know, I'm living with epilepsy. After my mother died, I had a very major seizure. And you know what? One a year is too many. One a year is too many. To think of hearing you talk about a child having so, so many a day and then, oh great, I'm only having two to three. I mean, that is unbelievable. You know, and I hope everyone listens, listening understands that there are children with significant disabilities that have hundreds a day. And if you can put this down to two, or three a day. I know that is unbelievable to hear, but is a vast improvement. So, you know, think I hope everyone it does, gets on board. Not only for
3: that child or the individual, but just think what it does for a mother and father um, who are trying to work with this child with a disability that, uh, with seizures. And th- they can never leave uh, that individual alone. Uh, so it affects the quality of life of brothers and sisters, mother and father, and all extended family, as well as the individual. And that's why uh, I'm so much a proponent, because of the, the value it brings to a family uh, to be able to have your seizures to some extent controlled. Uh, that is so, so very important.
2: Well, and I hope again, go to the Epilepsy Foundation website. Actually, go to Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA. Read about it, get behind it, talk to your congressmen, senators, because we need all the help we can get, again, to help those children. Well, Tony, here's something I've never asked you on the air, or I don't even know if I've ever asked you this um, in person. But what do you hope to leave as your legacy?
3: Well, Joyce, um, there's a lot of things. Uh, but one of the things that um, I really feel strongly about is that um, I, I thank God for um, my epilepsy uh, because it forced me to find out who I was, and I have always wanted, uh, from a young person, always wanted to say that when I die, uh, that I hope that I've helped out uh, an individual to in life and to be a better person or uh, in regards to whatever it might be, but just one individual, I think, is what we all should strive for. And I know that I um, uh, helped out one individual, uh, but many times more. And to me, being able to impact positively somebody's life should be the greatest thrill that you should have. And so uh, that is, you know, I hope my legacy, that people will feel that I have impacted individuals' lives and made it better for them. What better legacy could you have than that? But, you know, that isn't something just for me. Uh, all of us, uh, if we reach out and and help in some way, you can impact an individual's life. And I just think that's the best thing that any of us could do. And if you're a believer, obviously that is something that will uh, help you at the end. And so... Uh, you know, I, I have two daughters who I love and uh, four grandkids. And so uh, your legacy is also your kids and your family and, and these grandkids are fabulous. That's part of my legacy as well. Um, but I really do mean um, having an impact on an individual's life should be the goal of every, every one of us.
2: Yeah, what a great goal. And Well, if that's your legacy, Tony, trust me. You've achieved it, and not just with one person. With thousands and thousands because of the ADA. And as you know, as we've talked about, next year is the 25th anniversary of the signing of the ADA. I have to ask you, when you think back about that, you know, what do you consider your greatest accomplishment? Is it that? What is it?
3: Well, that is obviously one of the great accomplishments uh, of my life without any reservation. Uh, But, you know, the one thing that I think um, is really important is uh, how I've developed what I call inner peace and in that way uh, that you can then help so many people. It's hard to to get inner peace, um, but in accomplishing inner peace, I'm then able to uh, speak out about uh, who I am, what I am, what I do, what I believe in, and so forth. And um, that is an accomplishment that a lot of people don't, uh, get to have but you know I take the view very strongly Joyce that we all should try to achieve that uh, it you know some people will say well you know you can say that because you were congressman or whatever um, it, it isn't what you uh, accomplish in that way it's basically how do you uh, come to in effect end up loving yourself of so much so that you can impact others um, and I think all of us have that capacity uh, if we believe it. And that is so important. And, um, and I, I so much thank God that uh, I've been able to develop that inner peace.
2: Yeah, what a great, yeah, I agree with you on that, Tony. I I do agree with everything you went through. That is a great accomplishment. Well, Tony, before we end the show, uh, first, I want to thank all of my listeners. You know, you're helping me make a difference by listening and following this show. Uh, but, Tony, I once again, not only do I have to thank you, but, On behalf of all people living with disabilities, I thank you so much for being the great man that you are.
3: Thank you, Joyce. Love you. Appreciate it very much to be on your show.
2: Well, we end every show with a quote for someone that has changed the lives of people in America or around the world. So today, the quote is... Being able to impact even one person's life is the greatest legacy, says Tony Quello. Tony, thanks again. Thanks to everyone. Wishing everyone a happy, happy Thanksgiving. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com